There's a word in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 30 and 31. Did you not know that there were black people in the Bible? Well, if you turn to Acts, chapter 8, you're going to see it for yourself. In Acts chapter 8, I'll read for our hearing verses 30 and 31. It reads, And Philip ran thither to him, him meaning a black man, the Ethiopian, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand it thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. It's in that a portion of verse 31 where I need to work, see if I can infer something from that question that was asked, how can I? except some man should guide me. I need to teach, preach a practical message, a message that you'll need to take some notes, a message that at times is going to challenge us. It's entitled, A Need for Guidance. Everybody repeat those words, A Need for Guidance. God bless you and you may be seated. So many problems occur when people lack guidance. Unfortunately, the guidance that many of us received when we were growing up, young people are not receiving as they are growing up. In other words, young people have not been parented as many of us were parented. Thus, we live in a world where people have a need for guidance. In Acts chapter 8, verses 30 through 31, which is our sermonic text, a black man recognized that he had a need for guidance. To attain a thorough understanding, let's take a journey beginning with verse 26. So if you're sitting next to somebody and they do not have a Bible, be so kind to share with them because the blessing is as we walk through this word. You would notice in verse 26 where an angel of the Lord is in conversation, having a dialogue with a man by the name of Philip. This Philip is not the same Philip who was one of the 12 disciples. This Philip is the Philip who was one of the seven deacons, who was also called an evangelist. This angel of the Lord spoke to this Philip, and he told him that um, you're going to get up, you need to get up, and you're going to take a journey um, down south, from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. Gaza, we're hearing a lot today concerning that war with Israel. 
Gaza was one of the five principal cities of the Philistines given by Joshua to Judah. Gaza was formerly a large place. Gaza was uh, in this place that, uh, well, let me say, it was in this place, it was in Gaza that Samson took away the gates of the city and bore them off. Uh, so in our text, when it reads uh, about a journey from Jerusalem to Gaza, we're talking about a journey that was about 62 miles. 62 miles is not a long journey for us today with our modern transportation, but 62 miles was a decent, lengthy journey for people in those days because they didn't have the type of transportation that we have in these days. It's in verse 27 that you'll notice in your Bible that he, meaning Deacon Philip, he arose and he did just what the angel Lord told him to do. And when he did that, he came across, he encountered a, a black man, a man of Ethiopia. This man of Ethiopia was a eunuch of great authority under the Candace Queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for the purpose of worship. Ethiopia in those days was one of the great kingdoms of Africa, and today it's part of what is now called Abyssinia. The Bible says there was a man of Ethiopia, meaning there was a black man, uh, and the word says he was a eunuch. Now, so often the word eunuch is dealing with a man that's practicing celibacy, but in this context, we're not talking about a celibate man. A, a eunuch in this context is, a, a, an, a, let's say, a confidential officer. This man was someone who was a confidant to the Candace. This man had great authority, and when you say the Candace, that's interesting because the Candace was a queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, Candace in, is said to have been the common name of the queens of Ethiopia, uh, as a pharaoh was uh, of the sovereignty of Egypt. So when we think about a pharaoh's recognition or authority uh, over Egypt, we can think about the Candace authority over Ethiopia. So befitting, this being Black History Month, a black woman is in high esteem and authority in this passage of Acts chapter 8, a black woman. I shared with the North Campus this morning that a lot of men, and not just black men, are greater men today because of black women. Amen. When you talk about black history, it would really probably be minuscule if you were to omit the role of the black woman. Let's take a moment and give God praise for black women.
This Ethiopian, this black man was trusted by this black woman. He had great authority. He was in, here's this. She trusted him so much that she even trusted him with her money. I don't know too many women. <laughs> I don't need to even finish that sentence because you all have it. But here's something of significance that I think we can make, uh, 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 I guess, infer some application with, and that's when we look at the purpose of this black man for being in Jerusalem, he was there to worship. Amen. I shared in the first worship celebration how I am a goal-oriented person, which means that whatever I set out to do, I got to do it. And if I don't do it, I experience frustration. I arose this morning with the goal to come to St. John North Campus and then here at the South Campus to worship. Worship sets the tone for my week. When I worship God, it gives me the fuel for my tank. It gives me what I need in order to, to, to succeed as well as survive through the week. My worship is real. I believe in what Jesus said. He said, God, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. My brothers and sisters, I believe that there are other people in here who came here for the same purpose uh, that the pastor came here for. Not for sure, but came here to worship. And he is worthy of our worship, isn't he? The pronoun he, I'm talking about God. He is worthy. Do I have any witnesses in here? Is there anybody who concurs with me that God is worthy of our worship. I mean, I recognize that uh, we got up in the cold and, and, and faced with some more rain soon, uh, but despite the weather, how many of us uh, felt like, uh, felt a drive, in other words, felt propelled to get here, not because uh, we wanted to be seen, but we had to fulfill the desire of our heart, uh, and that is to worship God. It's in verse 28 where it says, returning, and he, 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 here's, here's the, 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 the Ethiopian, he's sitting in his chariot, he's sitting in his carriage, and he's reading uh, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah. The Spirit, I want you to notice in your Bible, my King James Version, the Spirit has a capital letter S. You always want to look at that because all spirits are not the Spirit of God. When you see that capital letter S, that means it's the Spirit of God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Be careful when people tell you that the Spirit told them to tell you something. You do yourself well at times by asking, helping, uh, making, asking them to clarify what spirit, which spirit told them. Because every spirit is not of the spirit of God. But when you talk about the spirit of God, it's a capital letter S. When you talk about these other spirits, uh, it's a lowercase S. The Bible says then the spirit, somebody said the Holy Spirit. 
The Spirit said to Philip, uh, I, you go near and, and you join yourself uh, to this uh, a man who's in the chariot. And, and in verse 30, the Bible says Philip ran. When I look at that that, that, that suggests something to me, that not only was Philip obedient, but he did it without any reluctance. He did it in a hurry. He was in a hurry about doing what was the will of God. And I say to all of us, my beloved, we don't have time to lose. Fact of the matter, many of us, and I'm part of that us, probably already have more years behind us than ahead of us. We don't have time to lose. We don't have time to waste. We need to not only be about doing our, our father's business, but hear this. We need to be in a hurry about doing his business. The word says he ran, ran to him. And, and, and I want you to take note of something with Philip. Uh, he heard him reading about the prophet Isaiah. And I find that very interesting how uh, Philip, hear this, he not only recognized that the black man was reading the Bible, but he knew exactly where he was reading. <laughs> and I'm not trying to uh, uh, throw any daggers at deacons here at this church because we're blessed with many good deacons. I thank God for them. But one thing we see in this deacon, he knew the word. And that's so important whenever you're in a position of leadership, especially when it comes to the church, uh, you need to know the word. This deacon, Philip, knew the word so well that he did not even have to ask the man where you're reading from. He knew exactly where he was reading from. He asked him, do you understand what you are reading? That's not a bad question. Because I want everybody to understand this. When it comes to this Bible... In order for us to understand what we are reading, we need the aid of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever allow yourself to be fooled into thinking that you know so much that, that you know everything when it comes to the Bible. Some of us have written the Bible many times uh, from Genesis to Revelation, and we still do not know everything about the Bible. If you are a student of the word, it's ongoing, which means you're constantly learning. Before reading the Bible, often I'll pray and ask the Lord to open the avenues of my mind, uh, enlighten my mind. Uh, even it could be a scripture that I'm very familiar with, but it might be something in that scripture that God wants me to see that I've never seen before. All of that comes from, uh, here, this uh, divine assistance, meaning having the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds. If you know what I'm talking about, will you talk back, say amen, put some hands together or something. <laughs> the black man said something really good in verse 31, he, 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 and, and it was by way of question. He said, how can I accept some man should guide me. That's why we are here today. When we come here, you should, you, you should hold me accountable. You should have an expectation of me of guiding us through the Word of God. Not informing you about what I've learned here and there, but here it is guiding us through the Word of God because we recognize the Word is what's a lamp to our feet. The Word is what's a light to our path. How can I accept some man should guide me? 
again, the, the sermonic title is a need for guidance. Uh, and then the man, the black man, he had a desire for Deacon Philip that he'd just come up and sit with him. Uh, uh, he's a very, this, this black man is very courteous. I want all the men to hear this because some of us, you know, we, we think our rudeness is, is, uh, signifies strength. There's nothing wrong with uh, men being courteous. There's nothing wrong with men being uh, uh, hospitable. Are y'all listening to me here? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, the black man did not say to Deacon Philip, why don't you go on about your business? Can't you see I'm trying to read the Bible? But no, he invited the deacon to come on up and sit with me. And in verse 32, look at that in your Bible, because verse 32 and verse 33, they work together. Uh, it says the place of the scripture which he read was this, and, 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 and that this uh, you, you can write in, it, it's, it has reference to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And then in verse 34, we see where the eunuch answered Philip, and he said, you know, I, 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 I have a question now that we're looking at the, the, these verses in verses 32 and 33. He says, uh, I need to know exactly uh, who was the prophet speaking of? Was Isaiah speaking of himself or was Isaiah speaking of some other man? And, and, and Philip, he knew then it was his time. <laughs> he used that as a platform to talk about Jesus. And let me just say by way of application to all of us, that's why it's so important for us to listen. Uh, and I'm talking about active listening. Uh, so often we talk too much when we need to listen. And if we listen more, we will find doors where we can then witness and share with somebody about the love of God. This man asked the question because obviously he was not familiar with Jesus, but he was familiar with Isaiah. And he wanted to know, uh, is Isaiah referring to himself or is Isaiah referring to some other man? And, and Philip then recognized that this is a time for me to tell him who this some other man is. <sighs> I, I need you to look at your neighbor right now. Just ask your neighbor. Just say, neighbor, are you aware of this some other man? <sighs> oh, my. In, in case you're not aware, the Bible says in verse 35, it says, then Philip opened his mouth. There's a time when the mouth needs to be closed and there's a time when the mouth needs to open. Seems like when our mouths need to be closed, that's when we open them. And when our mouths need to be opened, that's when we close them. Like right now, it wouldn't hurt if somebody opened their mouth and just said, amen. It wouldn't hurt if somebody opened their mouth and just said, praise the Lord. It wouldn't hurt if somebody just opened your mouth and just said, glory to God. The Bible says he opened his mouth. And, and, and this is something I want y'all to see, and this is not just for deacons. This is for every, all of us uh, students of the word. It says he opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture. He did not give him a reference. Deacon Philip did not say, okay, let me tell you first about what Ezekiel said. Let me tell you first about what was said in 1 Kings. Let me tell you first about uh, maybe Hosea. No, Deacon Philip dealt with the scripture that the man was actually reading because it says right there, he began at the same scripture and he preached unto him who? Jesus. 
I need everybody to hear this. The application of every scripture is Jesus. Which means regardless of what passage I'm teaching from in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the application is Jesus. For example, if I'm preaching about Noah's ark, uh, the application is still Jesus. I can talk about uh, how the people were not ready in the days of Noah, but the application is that a lot of folk are not going to be ready when Jesus comes back. If I'm preaching about uh, uh, Moses, uh, how he led the children of Israel across the Red Sea, the application is Jesus, uh, because guess what? There is also Jesus, what he did on Calvary. Do y'all hear what I'm trying to say? So whenever we're dealing with the word of God, we need to understand the word in its context, but its application is Jesus. Uh, that's the reason why in the sermons you'll hear me uh, at some point uh, I'll talk about how Jesus died, uh, was buried and resurrected. Uh, that's not my segue into a hoop, uh, but here this is uh, important because uh, regardless of what I've said about the word uh, prior to that, uh, the sermon is incomplete uh, if I have not said something uh, about Jesus, uh, in particular his death, burial, and resurrection. Will you put some hands together? He preached unto him Jesus. I mean, we recognize there's no other power, heaven or earth, whereas men can be saved. Then that name that's called what? We recognize that at that name, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess. That name is what? Somebody just shout out Jesus right now. The Bible says, in verse 36, as they were on their way, they saw some water. Question was asked, well, here's some water. What's hindering me from being baptized? Philip told the man, gave him the plan of salvation. He said, well, you, you got to believe with all your heart. You got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I want y'all to see what happened in verse 38. The words said they went down both into the water. I want y'all to look at this. It says they went down both into the water. They're not standing on the side of the water. It's significant. I want y'all to see that. But they went down both in the water. And Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then in verse 39, the A portion says, and when they came up out of the water. The reason why I'm, I'm belaboring with that for a moment is because I want us to see how um, immersion by baptism is biblical. If, if, if Philip was sprinkling water on the black man, there was no need for them to get in the water. <laughs> but in order to be emerged in the water, you got to get in the water. <laughs> I, I just want to go there because I, I know, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not one to uh, try to inflate denominations, but I know in Catholicism, some groups uh, that believe in uh, sprinkling and so forth, I, I need you to understand how uh, when we're going in, because some of you might wonder, well, why Pastor Hall and them deacons, they go inside of the water. Why we got to get all down in the water? It's right there in the text where when the, when the, the Ethiopian, the black man had to be baptized, uh, there was no water sprinkled on him, but they actually had to get in the water, which does imply an immersion by baptism. Will somebody put some hands together? 
Of course, Philip, being a spirit-filled deacon, he got caught up. The spirit led him into another place in verse 40, uh, Azotus, and, and, and passing through this. The Bible says he preached in all the cities uh, till he came to Caesarea. I, I, I'm, try, I'm gonna have to transition from those days to these days, uh, but I can't go there unless you have a pretty good working understanding of what has transpired. If your mind enabled you to understand how uh, what we just walked through in the scriptures, why don't you take a moment and praise God for your understanding of the scripture. <laughs> Packed within all this information, we learn about a black man, somebody say a black man, black man. Uh, who recognized that he had a need for guidance. Like the black man in our sermonic text, many have a need for guidance. To say it in just a few words, many need guidance. One of the problems today is you have too many chickens without a head. People need guidance. I want you to, to, to repeat those three words because it's the key idea of today's message. Everybody say, many need guidance. Now, what do many need guidance about? Um, on one hand, I could say in general, it seems like about everything. <laughs> But since it's a sermon, let me just try to focus on just a few areas. Uh, uh, let's, let's explore three subjects in our milieu. So I want y'all, I'm going to challenge us right now. I want all of us, I don't want us to become defensive. I want us to have a very open mind as to some of these, these few subjects I'm going to touch on right now. Because if you and I could understand this and then apply it and share it with others, uh, we, could, we could be the beginning of, of something good as far as our living situation. Amen, everybody? Are, are you ready to meet the challenge? Well, let's, let's roll with it then. Okay, first of all, many need guidance about morals. M-O-R-A-L-S. Everybody say morals. Morals can be defined as standards of what is right or wrong. Everybody say right or wrong. Ah, people are not born with morals. People have, have to be taught about morals. Unfortunately, people are void of morals because they have never been taught about morals. Consequently, people need guidance about morals. I can hear my Sunday school teacher when I was a child. I can hear her voice saying right now, when you, when, when you, when you know better, you do better. A lot of people don't do better because they don't know better. Speaking of morals, February is black, is acknowledged as Black History Month. Now, hear this. I know we're good. Hear this. We're good for this time of the year wanting to reflect on how other people mistreated black folk. Now, I want to challenge this right now. Black people, first of all, I'm going to acknowledge this. Black people have made a lot of progress Amen. since the days of slavery, but not enough progress. Amen. It's sad how everybody else can come in this country, and they can come in here broke, and, 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 and you, 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 they can, they can, you can take a bunch of families with a pile up in one house, and before you know it, they got the whole block. I mean, other folk can come in this country and figure out how to make things happen. And, and here, black folks have been here for all this time. I'm not trying to put anybody down. 
but, but I want y'all to hear what I'm going to say here, and this is challenging. The areas of life where black people lack progress, I want y'all to hear me now, in many cases cannot be blamed on anyone other than black people themselves. Stay with me, stay with me. Don't be defensive, don't be defensive, but this might help some of us, and you got a lot of folk got a lot of hate toward other people. First of all, we don't want to hate anybody, but I want us to rethink some of our emotions. Black people are good at blaming others when black people need to take responsibility for their own failures. And you know, it's, it's a good thing that I am a black man because somebody else could say he's talking down to us. No, uh-uh. I'm, I'm speaking reality. Matter of fact, if I was in the church where I grew up in, I got a couple folk back there who know about that. Them, them old saints, they would say, tell it like it is. <laughs> that's that's kind of church I grew up in. I didn't have these silent folk, you know, all, all sitting around me. Amen. I grew up in churches where, where the, the, them old saints, if you told the truth, not only did they say man, even them church mothers-in-law, they said, tell it like it is. Because that's what they wanted. To hear. And they would say, hear this, they would say, we don't want you to sugarcoat it. Tell it like it is. Somebody need to encourage me right now and just say, tell it like it is. So I'm going to say again, black people are good at blaming others when black people need to take responsibility for their own failures. For example, and I'm going to hit the truth here. Nobody mistreats black people more than black people mistreat each other. The worst enemies of black people are black people. Countless black individuals have been killed by other black individuals. Black people rise to the top. They don't, in many cases, I'm not going to say all, but in many cases, they don't help other black people rise. Y'all can say it, man. You look at a lot of forums and, and, and you see a, 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 a little a, 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 a one or two here or there. But, and, and, and yeah, that's nice to see a couple made it. Uh, but, but, but what's important is not just that you made it, but how many other folk uh, can you help to also make it? A lot of people, not just black people, are nefarious because uh, they lack morals. Uh, people need guidance regarding morals, uh, and, and this guidance should begin in the cradle. In many cases, adults are at a disadvantage uh, because they are clueless about morals. Some truth may be in an adage which says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yet on the other hand, one is never too old to learn. To learn at an old age, uh, what one should have learned as a child is often difficult. But I need to say this, uh, God wants parents and adults uh, to guide children as early as possible. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This means that the training and guidance we provide children with at an early age will never depart from them. I need us to take responsibility and recognize that the reason why we have young people growing up the way that they are is because we're not teaching morals. 
Let me touch another subject. Many need guidance about marriage. Now, this wasn't altogether bad, but I'm just going to be transparent. When I, was very, when I first got married the first time, very young, marriage, I mean, nobody told me the whole story. But marriage really kind of... <laughs> Mar marriage, 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 in my, now I'm admitting, my misconception, marriage meant a license to have sex. Because I'm being constantly beat up in church about fornication. I'm being told about, you, you fornicate, you're going to hell. So, so you get married, well, then you're no longer fornicating. But nobody ever taught that it's a whole lot that got to happen before y'all get in that bed. <sighs> Come on, put some hands together, somebody. Come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, some of y'all getting a little uncomfortable. I'm, I'm not going to get x-rated on you, okay? <laughs> I won't get x-rated. But, but let, let me define, let me, let, let me, I think when I talk about marriage, let me define marriage uh, as to how I see marriage. Now, you don't have to agree, but this is how I perceive marriage. Uh, marriage is a union. This is my definition. You don't have to agree. All you folk watching by way stream, you don't have to agree. This is just Kevin Hall's definition, okay? Marriage is a union between a man and a woman that entails a lifelong commitment characterized by faithfulness and sacrificial love, which means people who are incapable of being faithful. People who are incapable of demonstrating some sacrificial love, they cannot commit to that, they should stay away from marriage. <laughs> marriage, when revered in this manner, is honorable. For example, in Hebrews 13 and 4, I appreciate y'all, y'all such a studious congregation. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Uh, marriage is so honorable in God's sight that Jesus said in Mark 10 and 9, uh, uh, What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Unfortunately, many get married without understanding what, uh, 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 what marriage uh, necessitates. And I, I need everybody to hear this. I need folk who are married and in a good marriage to hear everything I'm saying because this is going to confirm that you're on the right road. I need some other folk who's in a marriage and it's a bad marriage uh, to listen because maybe, maybe it, when you point the finger at the other person, it might be you. I need some folk who's not married but want to get married. You, know, you need to listen real good so you know what you're getting into. And then I need some other folk who's not married ain't got no, ain't no desire to get married. You still can listen. Amen. <laughs> And I'll say it again, many, uh, many get married without an understanding of what marriage, what, what it necessitates. Uh, people seldom have good role models who can guide them regarding marriage. When I was a child, a lot of couples celebrated their, six, their silver anniversary, which meant 25 years, and their golden anniversary, which meant 50 years. We praise God that St. John consists of many couples who have celebrated their silver anniversary and their golden anniversary. Come on, praise God for that. Well, St. John, I want you to recognize your uniqueness. Even though this has been commonly witnessed in our congregation, this is not commonly witnessed in our country. This is factual information. One half 
of all marriages in the United States end in divorce, not death. Now, this is the part that's even more shocking. One half of all marriages among even professing Christians in the United States also end in divorce. That kind of suggests that people need to understand what they're getting into. Failed marriages happen even in the era of the Bible. In other words, marriages, uh, failed marriages are nothing new. Look at somebody and just say, ain't nothing new. <laughs> However, more successful marriages, now hear this, if you're going to do it, you ought to be want to do it good where it would be successful. More successful marriages can happen if people receive guidance from prototypes of marriage. We need, we need role models. We need people who have been there, people who have done it for many years. They, 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 they've done it. They stood, they, they stood there through the thick and the, and the thin. The breakdown of marriages has proven to be the cause of a lot of children experiencing lower levels of well-being. So don't think just because the children all, they appear to be all right, that everything is all right. They could have been better. Hence, if children are going, now I want y'all to see the logic I'm going to work with on this one. Look at this. I want you to stay, follow me, follow me, follow me. If children are going to have higher levels of well-being, they need to grow up in homes where their parents are modeling healthy marriages. For parents to exemplify healthy marriages, they need role models who can guide them regarding marriages. Some of you who've been married for 25 years, some of you have been, let me just, let's just do this right now. How many of you have been married for, for over 20, 25 years or more? Let me just see the hands of somebody. Or, or let me say, we, or you were married before your spouse died. Now, I'm not going to say before y'all divorced. The ones before, <laughs> let me see them hands, 25 years, amen. Look at that. Hands down. And, and then let me see the hands of those of you who experienced, and maybe your spouse passed, but you experienced that big golden one, 50 years. Look at that. Go ahead and praise God, somebody. Praise God. And I hear this. A charge to those of you who, who exceeded the 25, a real charge to those of you who exceeded 20, 50 years. God wants you to share with others how it can be done. Because you are an example of what can happen. Come on and put some more hands together. <laughs> Listen to the logic. Guiding people about marriage could generate better marriages, which could generate better children, which could generate better citizens. When you have better citizens, you have a better world. Look at what can happen if capable role model, uh, uh, capable, let's say, role models guide people beginning when they are young about marriage. Come on and put some more hands together. Uh, Thirdly and lastly, I'm touching on some subjects. Now, I, I realize, this, I, can, I, I discern, this is a little uncomfortable for some of us, but if you really be open-minded, see, we don't want to be so close-minded. If you really be open-minded, you could see how if we could perfect some of these subjects, and I'm saying we because I have failed also in some of these areas. If we could perfect some of these subjects, uh, amen, it would benefit so many people. So let me touch on one more subject that, that, that's needed. Uh, many need guidance about money. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, just look at somebody and say, money. Oh, yeah. 
People often misquote the Bible when they say that money is the root of all evil. That's not true. That's a misquotation because in 1 Timothy 6 and 10 it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. Hear this, it's the love of it. That's the root of all evil. Somebody put some hands together because that's the word. Amen. I, 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 hear this. I need a little support right now. Somebody encourage me. Amen. Just shout out, teach, pastor. Amen. I don't want to believe that the only time St. John hear me is if I'm hooping and I'm putting it in fifth gear. I would like to believe that when I'm giving a, uh, bringing a practical lesson like this, even though it's challenging, that people can receive the truth. Uh, so again, and, and we do recognize it's the truth that sets us free. Off in the back. Hey, one more time. Everybody just shout, teach, pastor. Okay, all right. Well, all right. If y'all said it, then make me hurry up. That's all right. Amen. <laughs> money is a necessity it's a necessity we need it money is a necessity that should be managed well and enjoyed although many know how to enjoy money many do not know how to manage money Amen. most of us how, how, many of, how many in here we know how to enjoy our money come on let's be honest now I'm not going to ask how many of y'all know how to manage it though amen Amen. Some of us enjoy it so much that we forget to manage it, all right? Amen. A lot, here, listen, a lot of once wealthy people are now poor because they did not manage their money well. Athletes are signing million-dollar contracts, but if they do not manage their money well, they will be broke after their sports career has expired. So this tells me people need guidance concerning money. And hear this, it needs to happen at an early age. And the reason why some of us are not good with our money because nobody ever taught us about money. Are y'all listening to me? And we got to be careful that we are not seeing a domino effect. We're not managing well, then our children not managing well. That means a whole lot of money going through generation after generation, and there's nothing to show for it. Encourage me again and just say, teach, Pastor. So I'm saying it needs to begin at an early age. Let me say this. I have some bedrock principles about money that my mother, a lady who did not have a college education, instilled in me when I was a child. These principles not only benefited me, but also my family, and I want y'all to hear this, and you as a congregation. Hmm. Yes, I learned a lot about managing finances when I was in college, but my foundation was laid by the guidance of my mother. So when we look at St. John's stellar financial success in the last 29 years, first we give glory to God. So let's take a moment and give glory to God. But we're going, this, this is some black history here. We're going to trace this from a human perspective. Secondly, we need to know that so much of our financial success is the result, of course you know, Pastor Hall leading this church, but where did Pastor Hall get it from God and his mother. My mother could do more with a dime than most people could do with a dollar. But here's some guidance about money that could cause people to live more blissfully. Let me, I'm going to just share with you seven, uh, well, 
yeah, I want to share with you some, I just want to share with you seven principles that, that, that works for me. I'm going to share them with you, okay? Seven principles that works for me that, that, that can help you with your money. Principle number one is tithe. Amen. I'm a blessed man because throughout my adult life, I've been a tither. When you tithe, God said he will open up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that you would not have room enough to receive. If you tithe obediently, lovingly, and faithfully, God promised that he's going to do this for you. Here's another principle that works for me. Spend less than you earn. Too many of us, we spend more than what we earn. Here's a third principle. Live below your means. Too many of us, we're trying, we live above, here with us, as we say, trying to keep up with the Jones. Principle number four, let your money work for you. Principle number five, make wise investments. Principle number six, avoid unnecessary debt. If you're in debt right now, do all you can to try to get out of debt because it enslaves you. And then principle number seven, share your wealth with others who are in need. I need to conclude. I know this is a practical message, and I realize for some of you, you didn't come here to get all this information. You wanted to shout. And that's what's wrong with a lot of us right now. We just shout and we, 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 we leave here with what we call a, a burning with no learning. Well, today we're getting the learning, all right? <laughs> I need to conclude, but if you got it so far, go ahead and give God some more praise. Amen. <laughs> Today's message is entitled, A Need for Guidance. Our sermonic text is recorded in Acts chapter 8, verses 30 through 31. The key idea states that many need guidance. Everybody speak those three words, many need guidance. We explore three subjects that many need guidance about. Number one, many need guidance about what? Secondly, many need guidance about what? Thirdly, many need guidance about what? Come on and give God some more praise on that one. Jesus Christ is the most qualified one to guide us. He became most qualified when he died as a substitute and a sacrifice for our sins. After being buried in a borrowed tomb, Jesus was resurrected early Easter morning with all power in heaven and in earth. Collectively, hear this, let's take a moment and praise God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of us have a need for guidance. In our sermonic text, a black man acknowledged that he had a need for guidance. After acknowledging a need for guidance, this Ethiopian became a baptized believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, the most essential subject that many need guidance about is salvation. Oh yes, we spend time talking about morals, marriage, and money, but I'm saying the most essential subject that people need guidance about is salvation, just like the Ethiopian. I am certain that some of you in person, as well as viewing by way of streaming, 
king had this need, which was the same need as the Ethiopian. You need to be born again. You need to be baptized. Your need can be fulfilled today. Somebody say today. Somebody shout out right now. Fulfilling your need today will assure you of eternal life in heaven. Fulfilling your need today will enable you to live better than ever. My life is better than ever because I went to God when I had a need for guidance. Like the hymnologist, I was shackled by a heavy burden. Beneath the load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now, I am no longer the same since I've met this blessed Savior. Since he cleansed and made me whole. I don't know about you, but I will never cease to praise him. And I'll shout it whole while eternity rose, he touched me. <laughs> Church mothers, I said, he touched me. And all the joy that floods my soul. Anybody know something about this? Something. Somebody just say something. Let me just pause right there. I, I, let, let me just say it again. Something. Can, can y'all hear me back there? Something happened. And now, <laughs> now I know 